In an offseason characterized by transformation, the Seahawks have made a number of changes on their offensive line, including promoting Andy Dickerson to become the new offensive line coach. Dickerson spoke with the media following Tuesday's OTA for the first time. What did he have to say? I'll be breaking it down and taking a look at Seattle's guard group heading into the 2022 season on our latest episode of Locked on Seahawks. You are locked on Seahawks. Your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. What's happening, 12s? This is Corbin Smith, your host for the Locked On Seahawks podcast. As always, thanks for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. Going to be riding solo for another episode. Rob Rang still on the mend, working back from this nagging bug that's been bothering the last couple days. We're hoping we will have Rob back in action as my coast in crime for our Thursday episode. We'll keep our fingers crossed. Today is going to be all about the offensive line. Andy Dickerson, the new offensive line coach, speaking with the media for the first time after Tuesday's OTA session. What did he have to say? I'll be diving in and looking at some of his comments on the incoming rookies, the state of the line, offensive scheme, and much more. Plus, I'll be continuing our position by position depth chart review, sticking with that very offensive line, checking out the guard group. This episode is brought to you by Blue Nile. Make your moment sparkle with jewelry from BlueNile.com and Locked On Sports listeners get $50 off purchases of $500 or more. This podcast exclusive includes engagement. Use the code Locked On at checkout. Now for your lead story here on Locked On Seahawks, heading into this upcoming 2022 season, not many people have high expectations for the Seahawks. They are not expected to be competitive in the NFC West or battling for a playoff spot. They currently have close to 100 to 1 odds to win the Super Bowl, and it's understandable why the expectations are as low as they are. The Seahawks traded Russell Wilson, the best quarterback in franchise history, to the Broncos. They released Hall of Fame linebacker Bobby Wagner, made a number of coaching staff moves and other questionable roster decisions as they shuffled the deck a little bit. This offseason clearly looks to be a franchise that is entering a rebuild. But yet at the same time, that doesn't mean that everyone out there thinks that the Seahawks are going to be uncompetitive this upcoming season. In fact, Lewis Reddick, the renowned analyst and former NFL GM, called them a sleeping giant in an interview with Mike Salk of Seattle Sports 710 earlier this week. He praised their rookie class, in particular lauding the selections of Kobe Bryant and Tariq Woolen, the corners they picked in the fourth and fifth round. And these two players have a chance to be playing early snaps. Again, this is a draft class that is getting a lot of buzz coming out of Seattle. So if you're looking at whether or not there's validity to what Lewis Riddick said, I'm sure there are plenty of fans and other analysts out there wondering, why would you be high on the Seahawks with what they did this offseason, the huge losses that they had? But there certainly are some reasons to think why this team could surprise people. And I don't know that I would go as far as saying that they could contend for a playoff spot, but maybe they hang in the wildcard race longer than expected with the team that many are thinking would win maybe four or five games without Russell Wilson and Bobby Wagner. First and foremost, this team has Pete Carroll on the sidelines. And I know there are fans that have been chastising him the last couple of years for his conservative approach. And some of that is warranted, but Pete Carroll is a winner. He does not lose very many football games 
And he hasn't had many seasons in his coaching career in general where he's had double-digit losses. You know he is chomping at the bit to get a chance to get this team back in order and win a bunch of games and surprise people. So I think his presence on the sideline, he's certainly not going to be tanking. That's the first thing. Second, there is a lot of talent on the defensive side of the football for Clint Hurt, Sean Desai, and this new look coaching staff to work with. Jamal Adams, when healthy, is still a game record. Just got to deploy him correctly. Quandre Diggs is one of the most underrated players in the game, one of the best safeties in the sport. And he's been fantastic ever since Seattle traded for him. He's got a new contract. Both these guys are going to be healthy going into the season. So you've got a fantastic safety duo. Jordan Brooks at the middle linebacker position looks ready to take the torch from Bobby Wagner. Got an all-pro vote last year. This could be the season where he breaks through and becomes a potential all-pro player after leading the NFL in tackles a year ago. The team is excited about Cody Barton. Their edge rushing group, Daryl Taylor, looks primed for a breakout year. Uchenna Nuosu coming over from the Chargers at 40 pressures last year. He's still only 25, so he's a player coming into his own. And they drafted Boye Mafe, who may have a higher ceiling than either of those other two players. So there's a lot of excitement with that defensive group. And meanwhile, on offense, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, D. Eskridge, Freddie Swain, maybe Marquise Goodwin throwing his helmet in the ring. The Seahawks have a lot of talent at the receiver position. They're loaded at running back with Kenneth Walker now joining Rashad Penny. They're excited about DJ Dallas and Travis Homer. Maybe Chris Carson still ends up being in that mix. And they added Noah Fant to a tight end group that already had Will Disley, and they still believe Colby Parkinson can be a difference maker. So at the skill positions on offense, the Seahawks still have a ton of talent at their disposal. And of course, this rookie class coming in, Charles Cross, Abraham Lucas, they're very excited about as their tackles of the future that could be the tackles of the present ready to go as rookies playing on the offensive line. Those two corners that Lewis Riddick really likes could play some meaningful snaps right away for the Seahawks, particularly Bryant being as refined as he is coming out of Cincinnati. And they really like some of the other players that they added in this draft class, such as Kenneth Walker, might not be a starter, but he's going to get a lot of snaps in the backfield tag team with Rashad Penny, most likely. So he's going to get a chance to be a contributor. This has a chance to be an impact rookie class right away. Some of it is by necessity with the losses they've had, but they're really excited about this group. Now, hovering back down to reality a little bit. This football team has Drew Locke and Geno Smith competing to start at quarterback. That obviously is the biggest reason to believe that this team isn't a sleeping giant. They're just going to be sleeping in 2022. There is some reason for optimism with both of these quarterbacks if everything falls in line. Drew Locke has the physical tools. He just hasn't been able to put it together, and he's had a really solid offseason program for the Seahawks. Geno Smith played well in three starts for Russell Wilson last year. He has command of the offense. He's got the respect of his teammates. He's won over the locker room. So maybe Geno Smith, with all the weapons they've got around him, a solid defense, a solid running game, maybe he can be the point guard that Pete Carroll wants, and they can have an efficient enough offense where they can surprise people and win football games. But obviously the quarterback position is a big issue, and that's really what's centered around Lewis Riddick's argument. He was saying they should go out and get Jimmy Garoppolo when he becomes available so they can upgrade that quarterback spot. That was part of the element of them being a sleeping giant. Get him a quarterback that's been to the playoffs, led a team to a couple NFC championship games in the Super Bowl, and maybe that could be the missing piece for this team to not only be competitive, but be right in the thick of things in the playoff race in the NFC. But as things stand, that is still a huge issue 
holding back the potential of this football team, even with the young talent and the established talent they have on the roster at other positions. And those two rookies in the offensive line, Charles Cross and Abraham Lucas, might be really darn good players. But being a tackle in the NFL is extremely difficult, and getting thrown into the lineup as rookies in this division, playing against the likes of Nick Bosa and company, that is going to be a challenge. There will be bumps in the road and then some for these guys. That is an offensive line that has a chance to be abysmal off the bat just because it's inexperienced, especially at those two tackle spots. So the offensive line could falter in front of the quarterbacks they have on the roster. That is not a good mix for this offense to be able to get anything done. And, of course, you've got some of the issues on the defensive side of the football with durability players like Jamal Adams, Quandre Diggs, that have been banged up. Daryl Taylor missed an entire season a couple years ago. Can they keep that group healthy? If they're able to do that, then this group could be a top-10 defense. But of course, this is a league that's got a lot of injuries, and so do they have the depth to be able to withstand that? So looking at those elements, I think that Lewis Riddick makes a point here, that this is a team that I think is maybe being slept on a little bit. I think there's more talent than people realize away from the quarterback position, but that is a huge caveat here. When you don't have an established starting quarterback that you are comfortable with, and maybe they do have the guy that they're comfortable with here, but right now you're with two guys under center that have losing records as starters and flamed out with their first teams as second round picks. Geno Smith hasn't been a full-time starter in more than five years. Drew Locke lost his starting job to Teddy Bridgewater in Denver a year ago. So that is really the biggest issue that's looming over this team's heads in terms of upside. If they can get solid quarterback play though, with the roster they have built around that position, the young talent they have, some of these rookies come in and play well right away then Seattle is going to be competitive. Does that translate to wins? Who knows? But I think that Lewis Riddick has a point, but you know this can be something you can interpret. When he means by sleeping giant, could this be a team that wins seven or eight games, but they're in the mix for a number of other games they lose? Is he thinking a 10-win team? Not necessarily sure what he means by that. If they add Jimmy Garoppolo, maybe he looks at them as a potential playoff team. But there is a lot to like about this roster. And I think for that reason, it makes some sense to make this argument. This could be a team that ends up surpassing expectations in 2022, especially with the coaching staff they have. And Pete Carroll obviously not going to tank this season. Coming up next, Andy Dickerson is the new offensive line coach for the Seahawks. He spoke with the media for the first time this offseason after Tuesday's OTA. What did he have to say about Charles Cross and Abraham Lucas? And what did he have to say about their surge late last season? Among other things, I'm going to be breaking down a number of comments from that press conference when I return. At BlueNile.com, you can celebrate all of life's special moments from creating the custom engagement ring of her dreams to gifting a classic and timeless jewelry piece, all at prices you won't find at a traditional jeweler. Whether you're ready to pop the question or you're celebrating a milestone moment, find jewelry as unique as her with the modern convenience of online shopping at BlueNile.com. Build the engagement ring of her dreams or celebrate life's special moments with fine jewelry. No matter what you're looking for, Blue Nile has jewelry experts on hand 24-7. Make your moment sparkle with jewelry from BlueNile.com and Locked On Sports listeners get $50 off purchases of $500 or more. This podcast exclusive includes engagement. Use the code Locked On. Plus, every order is insured, ships free, and arrives in discreet packaging that won't give away what's inside. Shop stress-free and find your forever peace. Go to BlueNile.com today. You're listening to the Locked On Seahawks podcast. Riding solo, I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Thanks, as always, for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen 
five days a week. The Ultimate NBA Mock Draft starts June 16th, so coming up here in the next couple days with over 50 insiders, nothing equals the Ultimate NBA Mock Draft, the Locked On NBA Big Board Draft Experts, plus the Odyssey Insiders. First pick is June 16th. Search Ultimate NBA Mock Draft and follow now so you don't miss a pick. Andy Dickerson taking over as the new offensive line coach for the Seahawks. They parted ways with Mike Solari after three seasons with the organization. Solari did a pretty darn good job as the offensive line coach, in my opinion. But there was the issue of trying to blend his philosophies with what Shane Waldron and Andy Dickerson wanted to do coming over from the Rams. And I think last year that the group made it work, but ultimately – They decided it was best for both parties to split up here. And Solari, I think, will coach again at some point. He hasn't latched on with another team since parting ways with the Seahawks, but I expect that he'll get back into coaching at some point. Again, I think he's a very good coach. The fit just wasn't necessarily there anymore. So now Andy Dickerson is going to get this opportunity after being the run game coordinator last year, seeing that run game take off the final five or six games. He's now the man. He is the offensive line coach. And he had his first chance to speak with the media after Tuesday's session. A number of things stood out to me. And first and foremost, he was asked on the first question, how different are things as being the offensive line coach rather than being the run game coordinator? And interestingly, he said things really aren't that different. Old is new as the offensive line coach. The same scheme, the same protections, the same run game. Really not a lot of big differences in how the Seahawks are doing things. And that really shouldn't surprise anyone because ultimately Andy Dickerson is the guy that players kept going back to the end of last season. I remember asking Ethan Posick a question during a press conference about what was really clicking with that run game late in the season. And he mentioned Andy Dickerson, his presence as the run game coordinator, mixing in different dressings with their run schemes, a lot of mid zone and wide zone. And the Seahawks were able to feast. The offensive line was playing well. They had a healthy Rashad Penny that was really getting after it, giving opponents problems, showing off that first round talent that he hadn't been able to show off very much because of the injuries he dealt with in his first three plus seasons. Everything really just started to click. And everybody has to remember, and Dickerson pointed this out, this is a new offense going into last season. And the offseason was still not a normal one like we've seen the last few weeks. There were still some pandemic-related issues that NFL teams were dealing with, and a lot of veterans weren't showing up for OTAs and mandatory minicamp. And so that really changed the dynamic when you're trying to learn a new offense. So in, go, in going to year two now, with Dickerson being the offensive line coach, really the only difference now is he doesn't have Mike Solari there to lean on. The two of them are not working together. This is his baby now. He is the one that's coaching these guys. He's got some new assistants that are going to be working alongside him. He's still going to be involved in coordinating the run game, even though Chad Morton now has that label. You're still going to see some involvement from Andy Dickerson. Those two worked well together last year, so really not much change. They want to be able to replicate what they did those last five or six games last year with the run game, getting the play action off it, particularly with having two new quarterbacks battling for a starting job and Russell Wilson no longer being here. They are going to be leaning on that ground game. They're going to be leaning on the play action passing attack. So they want to get back to that point. Not a lot of differences as far as what the Seahawks are going to be doing offensively this year. 
The next thing that jumped out to me, impressions of the rookies. Of course, reporters are going to be asking about Charles Cross and Abraham Lucas. We haven't had a chance to talk to Andy Dickerson at all. And being the line coach, he he just had to be ecstatic getting two uber-athletic, really good pass protectors in Cross and Lucas. And so far, obviously, he hasn't had a chance to be able to see what these guys can do as blockers. They're playing fake football during the offseason, not getting a chance to fire off the ball and block people. But he has seen the things that you need to see from these guys this time of year. They're asking the good questions, the right questions on the field. They're eager to learn this new scheme. And they have done a really good job developing a rapport with their teammates. I think that's the most important thing for an offensive lineman this time of year. You're not going to be able to knock people off the ball. You're not going to be able to do any legitimate blocking. So you need to take care of the mental aspect of the game, learning the schemes, learning the footwork, working on your technique, and most importantly, sharpening that communication with both these guys being rookies, having new teammates, they all have to adjust to one another. And you also have a new center in Austin Blythe, and he knows the system inside and out. He played for Shane Waldron and Andy Dickerson with the Rams for a number of years. But he still is getting used to having new teammates. He didn't play with any of these guys when he was with the Rams. And so you have major communication things that everybody in that front line is going to have to work through. And when you got two rookies, that further complicates things. But from what Andy Dickerson said, these guys have been doing everything they need to do as far as attacking the mental aspect of the game, asking the right questions, developing that chemistry, setting themselves up for success when the pads do go on in August, and they have a chance to start truly blocking and, and playing their positions like they're going to in a football game. Up to this point, Obviously not going to be doing that. But as Dickerson said, this is really all about projections. And I think that's the other thing that was really interesting about what he had to say about the two rookies yesterday. Because there's been this narrative, and it's not going to go away until the two players show in an actual game situation that they can handle playing out of a three-point stance. There are going to be people. There's going to be fans. There's going to be analysts, experts that are going to be questioning the selections of Charles Cross and Abraham Lucas to a run-heavy offense because they're coming from college systems where they hardly run blocked. But Dickerson doesn't have any concerns about their pro readiness and being able to handle a pro-style offense. And he said point blank, two-point and three-point stance, that's not really a big deal. And I loved his explanation of it because the Seahawks, they're not going to be asking their linemen to just be in a three-point stance all the time. And they're not going to be asking them to stand up in a two-point stance all the time. They are going to mix and match them. And something that's key, particularly in the NFL, when you're playing against other professional players who watch film and understand tendencies and look for tells of whether the team's going to be passing or running the football, it is crucial to be able to mix up those two-point and three-point stances with your run and pass calls to keep defenses on their heels. Because once you have a predictable element where – the opposing pass rusher knows when you're in a two-point stance, hey, they're going to be passing the football here on this play. It becomes far easier for that defender to dominate that matchup. So that's something that they're going to be working on. They're going to be working on work and you know, flying out of a two-point stance, working out of a three-point stance as well. Those are going to be areas they are going to drill, drill, drill with these two guys. And they're really good football players. And again, it's about projection. 
And that's how the draft is. You haven't had a chance to see any of these guys coming into the league playing in your scheme. So you have to be able to visualize it. You have to be able to watch them on film. And that's particularly important with offensive linemen. And so from Dickerson's perspective, when he was watching the film, he was looking at the movement skills. He was seeing how they handled their hands in pass protection and run blocking. Pass protection can be telling in what you're going to have as a run blocker when you look at things like footwork and hand placement and violent hands, how heavy are their hands when they fire them into the frame, things of that nature. So he was able to visualize. He gave an example, Abraham Lucas against Washington in the Apple Cup, that he could see the movement skills, the hand technician, that he could envision Abraham Lucas playing in Seattle's offense. And so both these guys might not have a lot of film. They're coming from offenses where they weren't asked to fly out of a three-point stance and get downhill and bulldoze people as run blockers very often. That just isn't the style that their teams deployed. But Andy Dickerson has no reservations that they are going to be able to accomplish that. And last but not least, versatility matters. And this is obvious, but... I think in the case of Andy Dickerson, you can see it even more than you saw with Mike Solari or in the case of Tom Cable, wanting guys that can play multiple positions. Austin Blythe, their new center, he started a bunch of games at guard for the Rams before sliding over to center. The backups behind him, Kyle Fuller and Dakota Shepley, have both played guard at the tackle spots. And this is key for the Seahawks. They've got Jake Curhan getting reps at guard. He played in some games in the regular season last year at both guard spots. That might be a window for him down the line to play more because ultimately the Seahawks want their two rookies to be the starters. They want Charles Cross and Abraham Lucas to be the starters as top 72 picks. They'd love to have those guys in the lineup as soon as possible. Maybe Jake Curhan will have something to say about that at right tackle or Stone Forsythe a guy that's playing both left and right tackle. Again, it goes back to the versatility. Andy Dickerson wants guys that he can plug in at multiple spots if need be and not end up in a situation where, for example, last year when they had some injuries against the 49ers, they had to slide Jake Curhan in at left guard, and then they had to move Stone Forsythe over to right tackle when he was naturally a left tackle. But these two guys had worked at those positions in practice. They had worked at multiple spots. And so that is something that Andy Dickerson is hammering home. He wants his players to be versatile. Now, you're not going to see Charles Cross playing right tackle. Charles Cross is going to be playing the left tackle position. He's the blindside protector. That might be your exception. But otherwise, players like Phil Haynes, you're going to have him at both guard spots. The incoming undrafted players like Shamarius Gilmore, maybe he gets a chance to play center. Liam Ryan's played guard and tackle at Washington State. Might be better suited to be a guard in the NFL Almost every lineman that the Seahawks have on their roster can play more than one spot along the offensive line. And that is crucial for Andy Dickerson. And it's going to help some of these guys have a chance to make this football team at the end of August, being able to play multiple spots and do so at a high level. It's going to be a competitive group for that reason. You're going to see some mixing and matching, and that's going to make it fun to watch once we get to camp. Continuing to look at the offensive line in our position-by-position depth chart review, going to work our way into the interior with Seattle's guard group when we return here on the Locked on Seahawks podcast. You know, our friends at Built Bar have always come out with amazing new flavors. This time, they've truly outdone themselves with the new Mud Pie flavor. And for the first time ever, Built is introducing a new Mud Pie flavor in both Mud Pie Bar and Mud Pie Puff. Not sure what mud pie tastes like? Well, if you're a chocolate fan, you'd better sit down for this. 
The new mud pie bar is rich whipped cream and chocolate mousse smothered in 100% real chocolate and topped with cookies and cream crumble. If that sounds delicious, I can tell you it is. I had two of them before the start of this show. You've got to try mud pie as soon as possible. You need to hurry because the mud pie bar and mud pie puff are only available for a limited time. Visit Built.com to taste the deliciousness for yourself. Not convinced? Luckily, we saved the best for last. It's actually good for you. All Built products are low-calorie, high-protein, and low-sugar. Mud Pie is packed with 16 grams of protein and only 150 calories and 8 grams of sugar. It's like your mom baked the most deliciously creamy chocolate mud pie and wrapped it up just for you, only it's healthy. Mud Pie bars and puffs are available at Built.com right now, but they're going fast because they're absolutely delicious. You are going to love the new Mud Pie Built Bar and Built Puff. Whether you need a snack for your workout, a late-night treat, or just need to grab a quick bite, Built is the perfect protein bar, and they taste better than a candy bar. Go to Built.com and use the promo code LOCK15 and get 15% off your order. Again, that's LOCK15 at Built.com for 15% off your next order. You're listening to the Locked on Seahawks podcast, Wednesday edition. I'm your host, Corbett Smith. Thanks, as always, for making Locked on Seahawks your first listen five days a week and make sure to check out the locked on nfl podcast for your second listen the schedule may be dark but the nfl never stops and neither does locked on nfl get insights and opinions from hosts including ross jackson chris carter and tony wiggins plus local locked on nfl hosts repping all 32 squads there's no off season for real fans so make sure you're subscribed to locked on nfl on youtube and wherever you get your podcasts. Continuing our position-by-position depth chart review, just had a chance to break down some comments from offensive line coach Andy Dickerson. We're going to stay on the offensive line, continuing this series with the guards in the interior. The Seahawks have a lot of change going on at the tackle positions with two rookies potentially starting on day one in Charles Cross and Abraham Lucas. They only have a handful of starts in the entire tackle group, so There's both some good and bad of that. You know the upside of the rookies that are coming in, but also all that inexperience. That could be a real pop. That could be a real problem early on for the Seahawks along that offensive line. Where they do have some continuity, though, is at the guard position, and they're going to be welcoming back both of their starters from the 2021 season in Damian Lewis and Gabe Jackson. Last year, there were some interesting dynamics there. Gabe Jackson coming over from the Raiders in exchange for a fifth-round pick. He started his career at left guard, but he had played most of it at right guard. The Seahawks kept him on the right side, which meant that Damian Lewis, coming off of a very solid rookie season playing right guard, had to flip over to left guard. And he downplayed how much of an impact that was going to have on his play, but was not near as good in his sophomore season. And I think a lot of it had to do with injuries. Damian Lewis was not healthy for a good chunk of the year. He missed a handful of games, played through a number of different injuries, was battling an elbow issue, had some shoulder problems, admin-related issues, you name it. He was just banged up last year. And trying to play on the left side, I think that there were some growing pains making that switch. So I'm anticipating a big jump from him being healthy and this being the second season that he is playing that position. So as far as projected starters, those are going to be the two guys that start. With that being said, I think the real wild card in this group 
has to be Phil Haynes, the former fourth round pick out of Wake Forest. And his first two seasons, he only played a handful of snaps. The most meaningful plays that he had in a game were actually in the divisional round as a sub against the Green Bay Packers during his rookie season. But injuries were a real problem for him, and he just couldn't get on the field. And that partially led the way to trading for Gabe Jackson. If Phil Haynes would have panned out those first couple seasons, they wouldn't have had to make that move. And yet last year, Haynes finally got his opportunity to play some extensive snaps late in the season. He played one game in place of Damian Lewis on the left side, and he played the other game starting in place of Gabe Jackson in the finale against Arizona. And Rashad Penny ran wild in both those games for a big reason why, because of the blocking of Phil Haynes. He was getting the job done on gap and zone schemes. And what I love about Haynes is you're talking about a player in that 325-pound range that has a basketball background. So he's athletic enough that he can win the positioning battle as a zone blocker. You can see the plus movement skills in the run game, but he can also get after it from a physical standpoint, and he can bully guys across from him. He plays a physical brand of football. This is a player that I was really excited about when the Seahawks got him out of Wake Forest. And unfortunately, we just couldn't see what he could do because he couldn't stay out of the injury room. He was just constantly dealing with nagging issues that prevented him from getting any momentum. Finally got some momentum late last year. I don't think he's going to be taking a starting job away from Damian Lewis or Gabe Jackson this year. But if Jackson, who's now going into his 10th NFL season, if he struggles coming off of a knee surgery that he just had this offseason and continues to regress, the Seahawks might, given the status of their roster, they might decide, you know what, we're going to go young. Let's see what Phil Haynes can do playing with Damian Lewis, and maybe he can still be a long-term answer for us at the right guard position. I don't know that that happens, but I wouldn't completely rule it out either. Jackson had kind of an up-and-down first season with the Seahawks, and he's now into his 30s. If he continues to decline, the Seahawks may feel the need to go with a younger option at that position. So Phil Haynes is my wild card here. And maybe with the injuries those two guys had last year, he's going to get some chances to play anyway. So that is a name to keep a close eye on. As far as sleepers, Shamarius Gilmore is one of the undrafted players that I think actually has an opportunity to make this football team. Now, the presence of Phil Haynes doesn't help. I could see Seattle keeping only three guards because their centers can all play the guard position, and they've got a couple tackles that can play inside as well. That's going to make it tougher for a player like Gilmore, but this kid played more than 5,000 snaps at the college level at Georgia State. The last two years, first team all Sun Belt gave up less than 10 sacks and more than 2,000 snaps, so he's been solid in pass protection. This guy is a really good athlete for a 300-plus pound guard as well. His short shuttle time was only 0.06 seconds slower than Kobe Bryant, the fourth-round corner out of Cincinnati, and he weighs 100 more pounds than him. So this is a guy that's got pretty good athletic metrics, and he also can play with physicality. He's got some technique savvy. So I think Gilmore is a player to keep an eye on. I'd even say to watch out for him as a dark horse if they decide to give him a chance to play some center. He didn't do it in college, but this is a guy that's played some tackle. He's played some guard. I could see him having the versatility to play some center if he got some work during the preseason and training camp. And maybe he's a guy you can develop behind Austin Blythe that maybe has some potential to see some snaps down the line on Sunday. So 
He is the one sleeper in this group. I can't put Pierre Olivier Lestage there right now because he hasn't done anything this offseason. And the former Canadian product has just had constant injuries since the Seahawks brought him in. He battled injuries last year that cost him time in training camp in the preseason. He needs to get healthy if he wants to have any chance to show what he can do. But right now, to me, he's at the bottom of the depth chart. Shamarius Gilmore is the incoming undrafted guy with all the experience he has playing at the Division I level at a high level. That is a player to monitor closely and see where he fits into this offensive line. If he has a good camp and preseason, he's got an outside chance to make this roster. As far as players that are on the bubble for the Seahawks, I, I got to include Gilmore there. Again, there's not a lot of depth at this position, but Gilmore is truly the one bubble guy at this group. And I think the presence of Kyle Fuller as well as Dakota Shepley plays into that because if your centers didn't have the versatility to play guard in a pinch, Fuller has played some snaps at guard in recent years, including last season, played some snaps at one of the guard spots. And Dakota Shepley played some guard when he was in the CFL. So both these guys have experience playing both those positions. That might make it a little trickier for a guy like Gilmore to make the team. Again, this could be a position they only keep three players. But I think if they do keep a fourth, it'll be because Shamarius Gilmore forced their hand. If they think he's a player they can't slip to the practice squad, maybe that's a possibility that another team would want him. That would justify keeping him on the roster, at least during the early stages of the season. And so he is the true sleeper and the bubble player of this group that you got to keep a close eye on, just wondering if he can make this team he had a very good college career. He fits the athletic mold the Seahawks are looking for along the offensive line, in particular the interior, and can also win in the gap game and has some ability as a pass protector. And so I will be looking at him closely during camp. And I'm fascinated to see where he fits into this guard group. As always, thanks for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. You can follow me on Twitter at Corbin Smith NFL and check out the Locked On Seahawks podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and streaming five days a week on YouTube. Coming up on our Thursday episode, hoping that Rob Rang will be back and the two of us can continue our 90-player countdown with numbers 85 through 81. And we're also going to be continuing our depth chart review. Going to slide back over to the defense looking at slot cornerbacks. You won't want to miss it. Thanks for listening in. Enjoy the rest of your Wednesday. Go Hawks.